I am ending our series on the gifts, gifted is the name of the series we're finishing off today. And as I've been listening to the series all this whole time, there's been this overarching message that's been in my heart. And I just had this pulse in my heart this whole time. And I'm so excited to be able to share it with you today because I believe God wants to speak to us. And I believe God wants to change us. Amen? And I pray that I'm talking to a group of people that want to be changed. And if you don't want to be changed, want to be changed. Like, just adjust it. Make the adjustment. Because we need to want to be changed. We need to want to be changed. We need to want to be different. We need to want to grow. And growth has some pain in it. And growth has some, some pressure, but that's the only way we grow. Nobody grows by wishing. You grow by being intentional. And so today we're going to talk about growing, we're going to talk about moving and, and changing, and that's okay, because God wants to do a work. And so I want you to give me your ears today so that God can speak to you. Amen. And I've been praying for myself. I've been saying, what I want to be the vessel that you want me to be, to be able to be used in this message in this moment. See, yesterday, September 1st, kicks off my 28th year in pastoral ministry. Thank you. I started in Bible school when I was a teen, and I love the ministry. I love the things of God. I love watching God big, bold, and on display. I love watching the gifts. I love watching people get healed, delivered, set free. Man, you want to cut me to my core and see what I believe? That's my DNA. That's how I'm made. I was raised in a Pentecostal setting, and I am Pentecostal through and through. That's what I am. I love watching God show off. It's kind of like saying, that's my dad. Do you see what he does? That's how he works. I love watching people walk in sick and walk out delivered. I love watching marriages being broken in one sentence, God heals it. I love watching prophetic words that cut to the bone and marrow and transform someone's life. And I've seen all those things. And so that's who I am. You know, someone asked me the last time I preached, why is it every time you preach, you share a miracle? And I thought that was such a strange question. Because I'm like, oh, that's really simple, because I serve a current God. I don't serve a God that did things. I serve a God that does things and will continue to do things. So I want to put him on display. I want to know God is active and he's moving. And for all my years, I've seen that. So I am over the moon when the gifts are in operation in the body. When I see the gifts being moved and God shifting things through the gifts and people stepping out and using them, man, I'm, I'm in a sweet spot in the kingdom. But there's something else I've seen. And that's the sober place I want to bring us to today. I've also seen people used greatly in the gifts, tremendously. Incredible teachers and preachers and, and people that play hands on the sick and people recover and people that prophesy. Tremendous giftings. And I've seen them crash and burn. And I've seen them fall on their face. Even most recently, many of you know of many people in, the, in ministry who have fallen flat on their face. People we consider, consider leadership gurus. People that we look at as teachers and preachers and pastors. And, 
and we've seen them fall, and they fall very publicly. And this question comes, how is it possible to be used so tremendously in the gifts, so powerfully in healing and deliverance and teaching and preaching and all these other things, and you got all this junk over here. How is it possible? Have you not ever thought that? How is it possible that you have these mega churches and you are this incredible teacher or you're this incredible, not even on those levels, you're this incredible Sunday school teacher with this incredible anointing. And you can teach and you can prophesy and you can hear God. And yet you got all this sin right here. How can the two reside in the same place? And the answer is very simple. A gift is free. Character is expensive. A gift is free. Character is expensive. This is a notorious mistake of the church. We think that because someone's gifted, their character is in line. That's a mistake. A gift is a gift. It's just given. A character is developed. We think that a gift and character walk alongside. They do not. They do not. There's a saying that we say all the time, that a gift can bring you to a place your character can't keep you. Because gifts elevate. They elevate. Someone can sing. Someone can preach. So we put them on the platform. Whoa. <laughs> Hold on. We put them in a classroom. Hold on. Hold on. Just because they're gifted doesn't mean they have the house in order. Let me tell you something about God so you understand. God loves people. And so if there's somebody who walks up here that is riddled with cancer, and God wants to heal that person, the vessel that he uses is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It could be a dirty vessel. He loves that person. And he will heal that person through whatever vessel is present. If you don't remember properly in the Old Testament, he used the donkey to speak for him. Don't think he doesn't use donkeys in the New Testament as well. That's the truth. The vessel is irrelevant. God loves that person. That vessel just happens to be available. Doesn't mean it's clean. And we mistake these things in the kingdom. We think that these things go together. They do not. Gift is a gift. Character comes from intentionality. I choose to have a godly character. I choose to be like Jesus. I choose. I make a decision to follow after him. I make a decision to walk after him. I make a decision to bring my life in subjection to him. That's how characters developed. It comes from a very intentional place. It doesn't come by chance. It doesn't come by wishing. True godly character is intentional. And it's clear by God. Open up your Bibles today to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Actually, before you go there, I'm sorry. I want to go back a bit. 
when we talk about people having a gift and their character not being developed, Jesus spoke of the same thing in Matthew chapter 7. He said, many in the last days are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, I casted out demons in your name. Lord, Lord, I healed the sick in your name. Lord, I did all these things in your name. And Jesus is going to turn around and say, get away from me. You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Can I tell you what a terrifying statement that is? That should make every believer tremble. And what they're saying is, Lord, I was used in the gifts. That's what they're saying. I casted out demons. I, I, I worked, I, I was used in healing. I did all these things in your name. And he's going to say, get away from me. You workers of iniquity, I don't know you. He's throwing them out. And what he is saying is that the gifts by themselves are not enough. The gifts by themselves are not enough. There is a lack in just the gifts. And this is where we need to begin to understand the difference between two words. The difference between gift and anointing. I want you to put your big ears on today. Because <laughs> I need you to understand this today. The difference between gifts and anointing. A gift is given. I throw Pastor Paul a gift, he catches it, it's a gift. An anointing comes from some other place. An anointing comes from sitting with Jesus. Because what the anointing literally translates is Jesus rubbing up on you and smearing you so that you reflect him. And that only comes in his presence, that only comes from a life surrender, that only comes from this place where you sit at his feet and he does a work. That's where the anointing comes. It doesn't come any other place. We used to call it the touch of God. That touch of God only comes from God and it only comes in his presence. It only comes in that place where you are sitting with him regularly, by the way. And he is doing a work in you. And what happens as he does that work, you be, he begins to rub up on you. And you begin to have this anointed life because you are now allowing him to speak and to reflect and to wash and to clean. You're surrendering. And every place that you surrender, more anointing comes. Every place that you surrender, more anointing comes. Every place that you surrender, more anointing comes. And now, if we can get the gifts and the anointing working together, now we got something to talk about. Now we have the life God wanted you to have. Now we have what we call an open heaven. Because as your life is being surrounded, heaven is opening even more. There's more room for him to fill. But if there is so much of you present, there's not enough room for him to fill. He kind of finds his way, but that's not his best. What he wants is a people that want to be smeared by him, that want him to rub up on them, and that they look like him. Think about the book of Acts, when Peter and John are arrested. Acts chapter 4, actually, and they're sitting there, and the Sanhedrin is questioning them, and they turn around, and they say they're marveled by these unlearned, uneducated fishermen. Why? Because they look like Jesus. 
They were, you know what they're saying? They're anointed. They're anointed. They're anointed. And God is looking for people to anoint. But there is a cost for that anointing. I'm not used to this mic, so give me a minute. <laughs> There's a cost for that anointing. Let's look at second, now we'll look at Second Corinthians chapter 7. You get in this church? Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It says, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filth of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let me read it again. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So what is it saying? It's saying since we have these promises, what are these promises? All the gifts, man. Deliverance, healing, freedom, righteousness. Since we have all these promises, let us, let who? Let us, let us cleanse ourselves from all filth of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What is he saying? Get the house in order. Clean the house. Not him. You clean the house. There's an intentionality in this verse. He will help you, but you got to do the work. He will reveal it. You got to do the work. He says, you cleanse your house. You remove some filth, all filth. All of it. Perfecting, which is this progressive word, which means a habit of perfecting holiness. So I am daily walking after being holy. I'm daily walking after being like Jesus. I am daily evaluating my life. I am daily walking towards holiness. Why? Because I fear him. Because I fear him. This is a very intentional verse. This is a very clear verse. We got to do the work, family. We got to begin to clean the house. We got to bring our life under the subjection of Jesus intentionally. You know, I always hear the statement, well, time, time matures people. No, it doesn't. That's nonsense. Time doesn't mature anybody. Time does not build character. Time exposes character. Time exposes character. It doesn't build it. I love when one of my, my spiritual daughters come to me and say they found the one. It's three weeks. He's the one. It's three weeks. He's the one. I know it. Great, great. You know, my answer is always give it time. Give it time. Why? Because time will show character. Oh, yeah, he's going to church with you right now. Is he going in six months? Are you initiating all the time? Oh, yeah, he's very generous now. Is he generous in a month? Two months? He speaks really nicely right now. Yeah. Give it time. Give it time. And then add this other word to it, pressure. Put those two together. You'll see anybody's character. You'll see anybody's character. Take him around his friends. Wait till there's some problems at his job. Wait till he's not getting along with people. That will show you character. Those things don't make character. They expose it. Time exposes character. 
People are not just mature because they got older. Plenty of people are in their 50s and 60s, they're not mature. That's the truth. Can I be honest today? That's the truth. Because maturity and character are intentional. I have determined to mature. I have determined to have a godly character. So I am intentional about cleaning house. I make it my business to clean house. I make it my business to become like Jesus. I make it my business to look at everything in me and bring it under his lordship. There's an intentionality in that. It doesn't happen by chance, time, or anything else. It is an intentional work on your part as a child of God. I want to introduce you to a word today. The word is compartment. Say compartment. Compartment. And I want you, when you think of compartment, kind of to think of a waffle. A waffle has all those compartments. And I love to watch my nephews. They want to put syrup in every single one, but they don't want it to overflow. I don't know how they think that's going to happen, but everyone has a weird way of eating waffles. People make designs, whatever. But that's a little bit like how we're made. And some of us are better at it than others. Some of us are terrible at it, but the majority of us work in compartments. We go to work. That's our work compartment. Sometimes I'll call some women in this church and they're in their cleaning mode, they call me. I'm in my cleaning mode, I can't talk. So they're in their cleaning compartment. <laughs> right? People live in those compartments and compartments are fine. But compartments are also very dangerous. Because if you have compartments that nobody can touch, then you have compartments nobody can correct. If you have compartments that nobody can touch, then you have compartments that nobody can correct including the Holy Spirit. And there shouldn't be any compartment in your life that Jesus can't touch. There shouldn't be anything in your life where he can't say, hey, what's this right over here? But I hear it all the time. Oh, that's just my little thing. Just a little thing over here. And that's just how I am over here. Oh, that's just what I, what I do with my friends. That's, you know what those are called? They're all called compartments. <laughs> They're all compartments. They're all called compartments. They're all called little things that they're just me. They're just mine. Can I tell you, you gave up me and mine when you became a child of God? You gave it up. And all those little things that we don't think are a big deal become a very big deal. Because if they're not touchable, then they risk the risk of being very dangerous. One of my best friends, I told you I've been in the ministry a long time, one of my best friends that I grew up with, we were in the ministry together around the same time. He was pastoring a church for years and years. The last three years of his pastorship, it was found out that he was having an affair for three years with a woman in the church. Brought the church to its knees, pulled him out of the ministry. Hot mess. And I got a chance to talk to him after a couple months, and I sat with him, and I said, I need you to walk me through some of this. I want to understand because I know you, so I need to understand. He said, it's real simple. He goes, that was my Tuesday compartment. He goes, all six other days, I was pastor, and I did my job well. And I prayed, and I preached, and I ministered, and I sung, and led worship. I, I did all I had to do, but Tuesday, that was my deal. And he even gave me the times. This was my Tuesday compartment. It's terrifying that we can operate that way, but we can. We can. We can say, this is just my deal over here. 
I'm doing everything else right. This is just this little thing over here, but everything else is okay. I'm on point everywhere else. Let me tell you something. You need to be on point everywhere. You can't have a Tuesday compartment. You can't have a Wednesday compartment. You can't have a 6 o'clock appointment. You can't have a 2 a.m. compartment. All that's got to be subject to Jesus. All of it. And you might look at me and say, well, Pastor, that's a big deal you're talking about. You're talking about adultery. Like, I'm not dealing with adultery. Yeah, you might not be. But can I tell you something? We don't wait until it's adultery. That's a mistake. Look at Ephesians with me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. It says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, any type of impurity or greed, because these things are improper for God's holy people. Let's read it again. There must not be among you not even a hint of sexual immorality, any type of impurity or greed, because these things are improper for God's holy people. So the scripture's saying very clearly, did you catch it? Not even a hint. A hint. You know what that is? A drop. (sighs) Not even a drop of sexual immorality or or impurity or any type of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. God is setting a standard. He's saying, in my people, this can't be found. In my people, this can't be found. And if it's there, it's okay. Clean it up. (sighs) This is not a judgment call. This is a wake-up call. God's not judging and condemning us. He's saying, wake up. If these things are present, begin to clean the house. Don't wait until the house is a hot mess to start trying to clean. Years ago, David Wilkerson went to an evangelist that I I won't say his name because I'm I'm not trying to shame the man, but David Wilkerson went to this man. He said, I had a vision of you, sir, and there was a snake by your feet. He goes, and you could step on it. So the Lord is saying, step on the snake. And the man nodded at him, received the word. But a couple of years later, David Wilkerson saw the same man. And he said, sir, I had the same vision of you, but the snake was here now. He said, but you can strangle it. Kill it. Man nodded at him. A couple of years later, he saw him. He said, I had the same vision. The snake now is over you. He said, but the Lord will still give you strength. You have a year. Kill the snake. A year later, that man's whole ministry came crumbling to the ground. He was having multiple affairs, had a very wretched lifestyle. Once you have killed the snake, right there. When it was a hint, when it was a hint. And family, we have to be a people that are willing to be honest and take care of all the little hints in our life, all the little things that don't bring him glory. Every little thing we need to bring under his submission. So what does that mean? Everything that's in me, my affections. If they don't belong to Jesus, then I gotta wash them. If my attitude doesn't belong to Jesus, I gotta wash them. If the way I speak doesn't belong to Jesus, I gotta wash them. If the way I was raised, hello? I got to bring, what does that mean? I hear so many people say, well, that's just how I was raised. Get under the blood. You have a new father. 
You have a new father. You have a new bloodline. Get under it. Bring it under subjection to the Lordship of Jesus. Clean the house. Clean the house. Because that's the only way you're going to live under open heaven. That's the only way heaven is going to open over you and the anointing is going to drip on your life. He will not give his anointing to a broken house. It's too valuable. He'll give gifts, but he won't give the anointing. And I don't want the gifts without the anointing. I want them together. I want them together. And the only way that anointing is going to flow is if the whole house is under submission daily. That's why the word says perfecting. This is not about getting perfect today. It's about having an intentional heartbeat towards perfection. It's about working continuously towards perfection. Saying, God, I, whatever it is, whatever it is, the way I speak, the way I carry myself, the way I act, whatever it is that doesn't bring you glory is subject to you. I had the privilege in June of speaking at the United Nations. I got invited by someone who worked there to share. It was a pretty tremendous honor for this little immigrant kid from Egypt. And so I'm there and I'm speaking to like 200 Christians that work at the United Nations. It's tremendous, tremendous time. I wish I had time to unpack it for us, but it was like the book of Acts all over. People of every nationality, color, creed, language. And at the end, I got to pray for people. And we were praying for people, me and my brother, for a couple of hours because people had so many needs. And I come to pray for this woman, and she's so sick, and they can't figure out what's wrong with her. She's having brain scans and all kinds of things, and she's in so much pain. I go to pray for her, and it's one of the few times in my life that the prayer was like a ping pong. It hit the wall and came right back to me. And I know what that means. So I turned to her and said, sis, there's some issues here. And she goes, oh. You felt it? I was like, yeah. She goes, do you know what it is? I said, yeah, do you know what it is? She goes, uh-huh. I said, so what is it? She goes, I hate my boss. She goes, I have pounds of unforgiveness towards my boss. She goes, and I won't forgive him. I said, then I got nothing to pray with you about. We're done. She's like, wait, you won't pray for healing? I said, no. She goes, you can't bypass it? I said, no, I can't bypass unforgiveness. I don't, I don't have that mechanism. The scripture kind of made it clear that you have to forgive to be healed. That's kind of like James kind of set that up for us there. I said, I can't bypass anything. I said, you got to get the house in order. There's a reason why they can't find out what's wrong with you. Unforgiveness opens the door to sickness. It does. Scripture tells us that. Sin opens the door for sickness. So she wants me to bypass it, and I can't bypass it because there's a compartment that doesn't allow an open heaven to be over her life. She goes, well, I'm going to take your word into consideration. And I said, you know what, you, you know what you're going to do is you're going to reason yourself into your unforgiveness. And that's what we do. We reason ourselves into our compartments. Well, this is just how I feel. This is just what I know. This is, they were wrong. They hurt me. And we reason ourselves into these things. And we end up bound by them. And what you got to do is you got to throw your reason out and say, Daddy, what did you say? That's what I do at all costs. So I'm going to forgive somebody who has terribly treated me 
Because you told me to. Because you told me to. I'm going to bless those that persecute you, persecute me, because you told me to. Because you told me to. I'm going to do what you said, because you told me to. I'm going to bring my affections and my life and my dreams and my desires, everything subjected to you, because you told me to. And when my heart and the word don't match, who wins? Your word. Your word wins. And that's where open heaven comes from. That's where the anointing flows. That's where power begins to flee out. And now we become a different people. That's when the anointing and the gifts begin to match. And now you become unstoppable. You become somebody completely different. You become somebody completely different where God can use you in a way you could not imagine. Christine Kane says it this way. Allow God to work deeply in you so he can work powerfully through you. Allow God to work deeply in you so he can work powerfully through you. You want God to flow in you in power, he's got to work deeply in you. You got to be willing to do the work deeply, those deep places that you don't want to talk about, that you'd rather forget about, <laughs> those places, those places. When he works deeply in you, he can work powerfully through you. And now he smears you with his anointing. And now we become anointed people, a church without spot or wrinkle, ready for the master's hand, ready for him to use us the way he needs to. I want you to stand with me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to do an altar right now, and the altar is very, very simple this morning. And my heart is that we would all come forward. The anointing, the oil, the, the altar is this today. Do you want that open heaven over your life? Do you want that open heaven? Do you want that anointing flowing in your life richly and greatly? Are you willing today to live that surrendered life before the Lord? I want you to come forward. That's the altar today. And we're going to spend some time pressing in today. Saying that's what I want. I want to open heaven. I want anointing in my life. I don't want to just be used in the gifts. I want the gifts to be married to the anointing. So I'm willing to live that surrendered life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From the balcony, you're welcome to come. Come be a part with us down here. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. And if today you're willing, say, God, there's some compartments I need to surrender to you. There's some compartments I need to open to you today. I want you to come forward. No one's going to pick you out, nothing. We just want to pray as a family. There's compartments you say, God, I got to open up in front of you, God. I've kind of kept them. I said, you can't touch them. No, God, you can touch anything you want today. I want you to come. Jesus. 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 And as they do missions teams, I want you to pray over the peripheral of the room. Just lift your hand and begin to intercede with me, missions teams.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, 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 and as you're up here, just begin to press in right now. Just begin to press in. Don't wait for someone to pray with you. You begin to press in right now. You begin to ask God for open heaven. You begin to ask him right now for the anointing. You begin to ask him for his spirit to be poured out over you. Hallelujah. Jesus. team if you feel led to pray for somebody just walk out of your seat and just begin to lay hands on people as the spirit leads you just begin to minister among the body hallelujah there's a deep work happening at this altar today just allow them to do it today hallelujah
have to tell you that the altar that's present today is a very deep altar. So it's a little quieter, that's okay. That's because God is doing a deep work. And we want to be in line with what he's doing today. And so I just want you right now, wherever you are in this building, I want you to hear me. If you've decided it is your intention today that you want to live under an open heaven and that you are going to work towards an open heaven, you're going to begin to clean out anything, any hint that is present, that is not from him because you want a life surrendered and you want your giftings and your anointings to match. I want you to lift your hands with me everywhere in this building. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, you see every hand lifted, Lord God. You see their desire, you see their heart, you see their commitment today, Lord God. Lord, I just keep hearing in my heart, these are the seeds of revival. These are the seeds of revival. A people that want to live without spot or wrinkle. This is the seed of revival. And so, Father, we ask today, Lord God, that as we do what you ask us, you would open heaven over Evangel Church, Lord God. You would open heaven over this place, Lord God. You would open heaven over every individual house that's here, Lord God. Every person that's represented, God. That you would move in their life, Lord God. And that we would be a holy people, Lord God. Sold out to you, Lord God. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Pastor Rick, can you lead us? We're going to worship together. I want you to lift your hands nice and high. And let's call on the name of the Lord together. Hallelujah. 